Good morning, Fieldstone family. Uh, and I just want to start out by saying that it's a privilege to be with you this morning. Um, it's a privilege to have the last sermon in 2020. Uh, what a fun year it's been. And uh, it's also a privilege to be able to address you as family. And that's kind of where I want to camp out this morning and uh, talk a little bit about family and uh, what that means to us as a church um, here at Fieldstone and as a church as a whole. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, and so I might be breaking the news to some of you, but family doesn't always see eye to eye. And I know that's a shock, so some of you might have to catch your breath and, and realize that as you sit there on your couch at home with your perfect family who never fights, who never argues, who never has a disagreement. But family doesn't see eye to eye all the time. And so... There's some interesting things that can happen within our church family, even, um, as we take a step back and we look at what that looks like to not see eye to eye. Just to give you a for instance in family, though, how this can uh, play out. I have been part of my wife's family now, officially for just over five years, uh, but I've been going over to their place for Thanksgiving and other holidays for about seven years now. And every year, there's a debate that pops up. There's this argument that, that gets brought up, and honestly, I'm the one who brings it up, but I feel that it's necessary, and I feel that it's, it's a battle that needs to be fought. Um, and it gets heated sometimes, and it gets awkward, and there's some tension, but I, I think you'll agree that sweet potato pie is not a side dish. It's a pie. It's a dessert. It doesn't belong next to my mashed potatoes and turkey. It belongs with whipped cream on top of it after the meal has been finished. And so I, I feel the need to bring this up to my in-laws every year because the fact of the matter is they're wrong. Uh, and if I don't tell them, I'm not sure anyone else will. And so uh, this year, I, I brought that up again. And for the first time, I looked across the table at an advocate because my sister-in-law's boyfriend, as I asked him the question to open up the argument, I asked him, is sweet potato pie a side dish or a dessert? And he said that he had always thought of it as a dessert. And so I kind of left it at that. I left it at that because there was somebody else there to make my point that I could finally see eye to eye with and that I could show them that other outsiders felt the same way that they did. But as silly of a situation as that is, as ridiculous as that might be, there are some very serious issues within a lot of families. There are a lot of things that we deal with that cut a lot deeper than side dishes or desserts. Uh, some of those things, obviously, are money, finances, and families. That can be a huge hot-button topic, especially when uh, family members might pass away, family heirlooms, and things that people fight over, things that people uh, believe belong to them. Uh, they will fight tooth and nail to get those things. Traditions. Traditions are a huge thing that families, especially as you start marrying people into that family, and uh, there are just these different nuances as you push different families together. 
those traditions can, again, be a huge hot-button topic. And so families fight over so many different things. So many different things can pull that tension into play and make things really difficult with a group of people that are supposed to be there to love, encourage, and support one another. And with 2020, I think that we've been given a lot of those tension points as a church. I mean, in 2020, if you just look back on this year, we've had a pandemic. And so that's led to people discussing, even within the church, and arguing and fighting and bickering over to or to not wear a mask. You know, uh, there's so many different things that have come up within that, that pandemic circle. But add on top of that, social justice issues. And then on top of that, a, an election year that led to so much political unrest that we're still not seeing the end of right now. And then on top of all of that, just the cherry on top are those future fears because nobody knows what 2021 is going to look like. And so we're left with all of these different issues that really in a lot of ways have brought out the worst in us as the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about just Fieldstone here because in a lot of ways, Fieldstone is doing amazing, has sidestepped a lot of these issues, but the church as a whole, all you have to do is log on to social media and you'll see people who are brothers and sisters in Christ fighting at odds with one another. And to the extent that there are not only tensions in those relationships, but relationships are breaking down because of it. And that can't be the case long-term for us as the church, because if those relationships are breaking down, if the relationships that God so loves to see, that God has built himself, are breaking down within his church, we have a real problem on our hands. And I, I hope to show you that, why that is the case today. But um, as we head into 2021, I want to give us a challenge. I want to push us to a solution, not just point out the problem, but point us to a solution and what we could do to be different in, the, in this case. Because we see the world at odds with one another we as the church don't have to be. And so heading into 2021, uh, maybe many of you are making New Year's resolutions. That's a normal thing that happens around this time of year. But usually New Year's resolutions are focused on me. How can I better myself? And that's a, that's a great focus. It's great to think about ways that you can be better, that you can better yourself. But as we look into 2021, I want us to continue commit one to another. I want us to commit to bettering the church, to being better for the church, to being better for Christ. Um, because really what's at stake here is how the world sees us. The world is going to look at us and based on the way that we view one another, that we treat one another, they are going to see Christ or see brokenness. And I'll, I'll show you that in scripture. John 13 Verses 34 through 35. John 13, verses 34 through 35. This is Jesus who is addressing his disciples just after he has washed all of their feet. This is after the Last Supper. This is his time that he is going to 
almost give his final address to his disciples. He's leaving them with this nugget of truth and he's begging them to follow it in this way. So just to set that picture, this is so important to Jesus that he's willing to speak it to his disciples just before he's led to the cross to die. And he says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus himself tells us that this is how the world will know that we're his, if we love. If we love one another, the world looks at us as if we're different. If we can love on one another, the world sees us as something that they want. But how have we done in 2020? How have we done recently as the church to love on one another and to care for one another? And so Jesus said this, and I already alluded to this, just after he had washed the disciples' feet. And I think that shows us one of the key points in how to love each other. And that's the fact that we're going to put others before ourselves. If the King of Kings, if God himself incarnate can come here and stoop so low as to wash others' feet, to put them above himself, doesn't it seem like we, as the church, as broken people, should be able to stoop to put others above ourselves? And I want to give you some practical ways in order to do that. But first, I think it's important to note that love is a choice. And that's why God is able to command that of us. Love is a choice. It is not just some mushy, gooey feeling that we get when we really care for somebody or when they make us have the tingles like we see in the movies and how people fall in love or uh, any of those romantic nuances that you might think about when you think about love, sure, those can all be a part of what love is, but love is a choice at its core. Uh, that's shown, I think, very clearly in Romans 5.8, because Paul explains it this way. He says that God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's in that that we can understand that even when we were at our worst, God loved us enough to come and die for us. Again, to condescend his, his throne, to come to us. That's what we just finished celebrating in Christmas, that he came for us. But he did that when we were at our worst. And so even when we see the worst in others, God commands us to love them just like he loved us. And so... We can see that this love is a choice. And just in, in, in 1 John 4.19, it's put this way. We love because he first loved us. Put pretty clearly, pretty plainly, that we're able to love each other, that we're able to step out of ourselves and put others first because we recognize that God has already done that for us. And it's out of that love that God has shown us that he then commands us to love this family of believers, this church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, he commands us to love just as he has. And so I want to give you a practical way um, 
that we can love on one another. But again, I just want to stress the point that our church is great at loving on one another. This isn't a condemnation of us. This isn't me looking at all of you at home and saying, you need to be better. I think that we can all be better. Um, But as a church, I think we've done an amazing job of this. Liz, my wife and I just had our second child, Abigail, who's a beautiful baby girl. Um, And... After we had her, there was a meal train that was set up for us. And in that meal train, a lot of you were able to love on us and care for us and um, just serve us in that way in a really difficult time. For those of you who are parents, you know how difficult that can be. And to not have to worry about food. To have people come over and not only bring you food, but also gifts for your son to make sure that he's cared for and he's loved on because it's so easy for your first child to feel uh, like they got the short end of the stick when the second child shows up. I mean, to see our church family rally around us in a difficult time like that was awesome, was amazing, and was a great show of love. And I was so proud to go to work and to brag about you guys, to brag about how our church was bringing us meals and showing us support in this time. And believers and unbelievers alike at work can look at that and see some really amazing servanthood, some really amazing love shown for us in that. And so I just want to put that out there. This isn't a condemnation, but it is a challenge that we can all do better. And we can be the solution to an issue that we're seeing where the church might be at odds with one another over so many different things. But the fact of the matter is that God also understands dysfunctional family dynamics. God knows that we're broken. God understands that we have uh, sin issues. We have uh, communication issues. And we have issues with people being different than us, seeing the world differently than we do. And so that's where my practical push is going to come from for us this year. And I want to spell love a little bit differently for you. And I'm going to spell it L-U-V. L-U-V is love talk. And for those of you in the audience, I know Miriam out there, Leah, if you're listening, this is a shout out to you guys, to uh, my wife Liz. Uh, But this is even training that's given to psychologists and counselors to help their patients communicate better. And to be honest, this is something that has been more fundamentally useful in Liz and I's marriage than anything else. I can honestly say, apart from God himself, I'm not saying that, (laughs) but a practical step that we have utilized that has built our relationship and built our communication more than anything. Because I think if we can start with right communication, instead of the social media outbursts, instead of just feelings being thrown out there um, and just kind of vomited all over each other. This is a way that we can come together and we can talk. And so L-U-V, love talk. All this is is simply L, listen. V, understand. Oh, that was totally wrong. L, listen. V, uh, (laughs) U is understand. And V is going to be (laughs) validate. 
So listen, understand, and validate. If I could spell right, if I could speak right, you, you, you'd get it. Maybe if I had it up on a board, you could, you could see it better. But listen, understand, and validate. And those three steps, as simple as they sound, can make an immense impact in all of your relationships. And so just to give you why this was put on my heart as I was praying about what to bring, what to, what to talk about, what to, uh, just what God was stirring me with. I can't tell you how many times I have heard people utter the words, I can't understand. I can't understand how a believer would X. I can't understand how somebody could vote for him. And him goes both ways in this past election. I can't understand how. I can't understand. And what kept ringing in my ears and the challenge for you today is as simple as this. If you can't understand, try. Try to understand where somebody's coming from. Try to sit down and actually have a conversation. And not in such a way that you just want to get your point across. Because, and this might come as a shock to some of you as well, you might be wrong. There's a chance you might be wrong. Or there's a chance that somebody's looking at something from a different angle that you've never thought of before. And so this love talk, to listen to somebody, to actually put them ahead of yourself, just like Jesus did to care enough about what they have to say, to stop talking yourself, and to open your ears and listen. To listen to what they're feeling. To listen to what led them to the conclusions that they came to. Really about any subject matter, but to openly and honestly listen to them. And then step two, to understand them. And this is where you ask clarifying questions because you actually want to get where they're coming from, to see something from their point of view, to understand how they got to where they got. And then finally, to validate. And this is a difficult place to get to, especially when you're not seeing eye to eye with somebody, but to validate their feelings. My wife and I talk about this all the time, where regardless of what your feelings are, they're valid. Because feelings in and of themselves are valid. Now, what led to those feelings might be some wrong thinking and things that need to be fleshed out in the midst of a conflict or anything like that. Those those things might need to be fleshed out. But the feelings that you have are valid and they need to be expressed and dealt with. And so if you can validate somebody for where they're coming from, you can validate them by explaining to them that you do understand, asking those clarifying questions. So when you feel this way, It's because X, Y, and Z. Wait for that confirmation. Wait for that yes. Actually seek to understand and then validate those feelings, those emotions, those viewpoints that have led them to that place. And I promise you, if these things are followed, you will find yourself on a deeper relational level with whoever you are talking to. Whoever you are listening to, seeking to understand, and validating, you will find yourself at a deeper level of communication and of relational intimacy with that person. And that's why this has been so fundamental in Liz and I's marriage. 
Uh, so shout out to you husbands. This is a great way for you to put yourself aside, to die to yourself, and to listen, understand, and validate your wife. Huge, huge, huge aspect of marriage. But right now, I want us as the church to kind of grab the bull by the horns and to seek to understand each other. To be willing to step into someone else's viewpoint or feelings or emotions even on something to actually seek to understand where they're coming from so that we as a church can get back to loving on each other. Because if we can put ourselves aside, put someone else first, and there's a lot of ways to do this, but right now if we can even commit to this, commit to loving each other, the fact of the matter is that it starts here in the church. It starts with us who know God's love, who can understand what he did to show us what love truly is. It starts with us. But if we're willing to take that on, if we're willing to love each other and reach out in love, that quickly shines to a world around us, shines outward with the love of God in such a way that they may have never seen that before. We have a gift to give but we have to start experiencing it with one another. And so we have to be willing to put our own emotions, our own feelings, our own anger aside. Put someone else first. Listen to them. Understand where they're coming from. Validate those emotions, those feelings. And let's get back to loving each other just like Christ commanded us 2,000 years ago in his word. He's still calling us to that now. And so as we get back and commit to loving one another, let's shine so the world around us can see just how awesome God's love is. So before we go, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get back to some music. Father, thank you so much for all that you've given us. Um, Thank you so much for your providence, God, for um, your word. And God, I thank you so much for um, just seeing us through such a difficult year that we've already uh, experienced. But God, I'm just asking right now that you would uh, that you would take your word and that you would implant that in our hearts. God, that you would show us how to love one another in such a way that we would honor and glorify you above anything else. God, that we would be able to show your love to a world that is in such desperate need for it. And God, that we would commit to doing that, starting right here in your church with one another. I thank you so much for that challenge. I thank you so much for uh, that love in the first place, God, that you've shown that, that you've exemplified that for us so that we can now turn to one another and show a world what it means to put each other first. Thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you, God, for all those who have been able to be here virtually. And uh, I just thank you so much for continuing to work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.